If you've been with us for the last couple of weeks, we've been going over a series called How to Build a Healthy Relationship with God, out of John chapter 10. Now, we've taken a while, in a sense, to get to the specifics of how to hear his voice. Jesus says many times in John chapter 10, my sheep hear my voice. We will read it now. Something that is very personally precious to me is just to know the voice of the Lord, to know the voice of God. Everything comes from his voice. And so we've read it numerous times, John 10, over the last few weeks. And we've read it through different lenses. You know, the first time we started to look at it was just to understand that the role of an under-shepherd being elder, pastor, or whatever title you want to use, should really be to reveal Christ, not for the sheep. Jesus didn't die so that you could hear my voice every week. Thank goodness for that. He died that so that you could learn his voice. So thanks, Dave. I don't know what you said, but I'm sure it was rude. And uh, so thank you for that. Oh, you said amen. Okay, that's good. So, and then we also talked about just navigating the waters of contrast. You know, whenever you things happen that we don't understand, what we feel like is defeat, and there's a way to navigate what seems so contrary to everything that we believe and everything that we've come to find precious, and we talked about that. And then last week, we talked about don't listen to the voice of a stranger. It's all from John chapter 10. I want to encourage you, we have to understand that Jesus paid a high price to make fellowship possible again with God, apart from the rituals of the law. It was a very high price. It was an invitation to relationship. And we have to start to learn and understand that Jesus' description in John chapter 10, which we're going to read again, he outlines the fact that in this new covenant type relationship, you're going to have multiple characters, multiple players in the story. He speaks about, obviously, his own voice. He speaks about the hireling, the wolf. He speaks about thieves and robbers, which are actually leaders. Talks about leaders that don't, in a sense, lead people to Christ. They stand almost and replace mediation. They stand between people and God when Jesus is the mediator, no longer a man. And so he talks that there's going to be multiple characters. There's the enemy who comes to kill, steal, and destroy. He's saying, in this new covenant, in this where I've opened the veil and made everything available for you, you have to understand that it's not just one people group anymore by the law, which dictated how they dressed, how they thought, how they lived, who they married, how they spoke. He said it's now open, but in part of that opening, there's going to be multiple players in a sense that you're going to need to learn to discern who's speaking. You're going to need to learn to discern who's speaking in order to grow into maturity. Amen? It's fascinating to me that he felt the need as the Son of God to outline who does what. He comes to kill, steal, and destroy. He comes to give life. The hireling does this. The wolf does this. It's helpful to us. Amen? So let's go to John chapter 10. It says this, Most assuredly I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the doorkeeper, that's the under-shepherd, that's the elder, that's whoever, the preacher. To him, the doorkeeper opens. And the sheep hear his voice. And he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. He is chosen in this covenant, in this covenant of grace in the New Testament, where we stand. He is chosen to lead us with his voice. We have to understand that. That's his choice. He's chosen to call us and to lead us by his voice. He says, Yet I will by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from him, for they do not know the voice. 
of strangers. Jesus used this illustration, but they did not understand the things which he spoke to them. Then he said to them again, Most assuredly I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved, and he will go in and out and find pasture. Learning the voice of God, one of the major, and learning how he speaks to us, one of the major, in a sense, benefits is that you learn to feed yourself. It's the access to food. It's access to being self-fed. They will go in and out and find pasture, food for your spirit. He says, they will go in and out and find pasture. The thief does not come except to steal, to kill, and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The shepherd gives his life for a sheep. But a hireling, he who is not a shepherd, one who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. The wolf catches the sheep and scatters them. Let me just say this. Obviously with discipleship, mentorship, whatever you want to call it, don't ever allow a person to stand in the position of discipling you if they run at the first sign of trouble. That's not a shepherd. That's a hireling. There's a vast difference. The hireling flees because he is a hireling and does not care about the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and I am known by my own. And that the Father knows me, even so I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And other sheep I have which are not of this fault. Them also I must bring. Who's he speaking about? Gentiles, them also I must bring, and they will hear my voice. Now, let me just say this. People say, Jesus doesn't, God doesn't speak any other way through the Bible. They weren't reading this. Jesus was saying this. Think about it. This hadn't been written. He said, they will hear my voice. Like you're hearing my voice is what he's saying to them. They too will hear my voice. The word in the Greek is phonetic. They will hear my voice. This was written later. Ponder that. And other sheep I have which are not of this fold. They will hear my voice. There will be one flock and one shepherd. And we can go on. Now over the years, when it comes to hearing the voice of the Lord, there's been much misuse and abuse uh, in this area, specifically in the realm of gifts like prophecy and so forth, which we do believe in. But friends, the answer for misuse and abuse is not no use. Jesus paid a price that was too high for that. The answer is correct use, governed by scripture, governed by doctrine, governed by authority. Amen? Let me say it like this. In his desire to communicate with us, it's his desire, it's his idea. It's his idea. Jesus, yes, came to take away our sins so we could go to heaven. That's what most people think. It's a very shallow understanding. He came to deal with the issue of sin so we could restore to fellowship and relationship. That was why. So that he can communicate. All through the scripture, he wants to communicate with us. Now, I know I've covered some of this in the last three weeks, but we're going to get into some little bit of meat today. Amen? I've wrestled some of this out over years and years and years and years, because I've seen the good, the bad, the ugly, the false, the not good, all of that. If you do what I do, unfortunately, you see it all. Few guidelines. If the central focus of Jesus Christ and him crucified is pushed aside in the journey of learning to hear his voice, you'll end in error. The central focus is the gospel, Jesus. If the gifts, all the gifts that are given, if they are elevated above the relationship, you'll end in error. 
If we become enamored, I said this last week, with the various tools that God has given to reveal him, whether it's gifts, whatever it may be, the various tools that God has given us as people to reveal him to others, if we become enamored with those tools more than him, you'll end in error. He's the prize. He's the reward. He's the shepherd. He's the door. It's always him. Amen? So, how does God speak to us? Well, in multiple ways. Multiple, multiple ways. People are born in the natural with the ability to hear. They don't understand. A baby is born, they can hear you, but they don't understand what you're saying. Yeah? When you get born again, you have the ability to hear the Lord. You just think it's your thoughts. But you can hear him, and you are hearing him. You just don't know that it's him. Just like a baby. You can hear, but you don't understand. Does that make sense? And as they grow, they learn to understand language, diction, body language, tone of voice, emotion, various forms of communication. That's natural in a child, just normal life. It's the same when you get born again. You have to learn. You can hear, but you don't understand. And you have to learn to understand how he speaks. So, how did God communicate in scriptures? We're going to throw up a list. I am not going to speak about all of these today. It's impossible, but I'm just going to read them out to you. Long list, audible voice. Let me just say, I heard some young people are walking around. God speaks to me audibly all the time. Yeah, no, not so much. You know... It's, it may be on the increase. When evil increases on the earth, so does grace. I understand that. But in the scripture, God speaks most of the time when something is changing on the earth. You know, in all the thousands of years of the scriptures written, we have a handful of times where God spoke audibly that people heard. A handful. In thousands of years. In fact, in the New Testament, God never spoke audibly to a person. People say, well, what about Paul? Yeah, that was the resurrected Christ. The Father never spoke to anyone but Jesus. It can happen can happen. He does speak that way. But you understand. All right. Audible voice. The inner voice. That's what we're going to touch on today, hopefully, if we get there. The Bible. The inner voice is the imagination, the imaginations of a person's heart. We have to understand that the enemy cannot read your mind. All he can do is throw thoughts across the screen of your imagination, the screen of your mind, and hope that you partner with him. And if you do, you become trapped. But he cannot read your thoughts. He doesn't have that power. The Bible, we'll get into those two today. Inner voice and Bible, that's what we're hoping to cover today. The various gifts of the Spirit, visions. I don't even have time to touch on the gifts of the Spirit. Visions, there's multiple types of visions, multiple types of visions. You know, open eye vision, visions in the mind, you know, whether it's a picture or whatever. Dreams, we just quickly read your scripture about dreams. Job 33, verse 14 to 16. One third of the Bible, about one third, wouldn't exist if people didn't respond to dreams. Do you know that? About one-third of the scripture. It says, For God may speak in one way or another, yet man does not perceive it. In a dream, in a vision of the night. That's why dreams are technically visions. When the deep sleep falls upon men while slumbering on their beds, then he opens the ears of men and seals their instruction. Dreams. Other people, even in natural conversation. Angels, be cautious with this. I don't have time to get into this. Angels, just be cautious with that. Angels absolutely speak to people. But if it ever comes to change the gospel, the Bible's clear on that. Don't listen, okay? There's one way you can test. Who's ever wondered, what happens if an angel speaks and I don't know? I used to wonder this as a kid. The Bible says no one can say, but by the Spirit of God can anybody say that Jesus is Lord. Very simple thing. We should expect supernatural things. If an angel speaks to you, simple question, who do you serve, who's the Lord? You'll very quickly find out where they're coming from. Big reaction to that question. It's kind of what Joshua did when he saw the angel. 
same kind of question. And circumstances, an animal, <laughs> we just have to throw it up there because it happened. Spoke through a donkey. Songs, hymns, which is worship, and nature. Now, with all of those two, we're going to focus on two of them. The word of God and the inner voice. The word of God and the inner voice. I'm going to frame something very quickly for you, and so I'm hoping that you can keep track. But it's helpful for us to understand where we're going to go. You guys good? Let's speak about the Word of God. We're going to, these two are very, very important. Why am I only focusing on the Word of God and the inner voice? Partly because of time. But secondly, because they are the cornerstones, they are foundations of how God will speak to everyone and how we grow and how we learn. Okay, it's very, very important to understand. The Greek word for the Word of God, for the Word, the, the word, word, the Greek has two words. Now, most of us will know this. If you know this, I'm asking you, don't dial out, because we need to hear it again. The Greek word has two words, the word logos and the word rhema. Okay, the logos in the New Testament is mentioned 330 times. The word of God in written form, it's the canon of scripture, the holy scripture. It cannot be challenged because it's forever settled and so forth. It was Jesus is the logos, it's the holy Bible. Jesus is this made flesh. It's perfect. It's perfect. It's absolutely true. It's this made flesh. Then you get rhema. Rhema is used 70 times in the New Testament. It's, this is what it means. It's a living voice, that which is uttered. The quickened word, it quickens your spirit. It quickens it to your heart, okay? It's often challenged and wrestled over. Like, because the rhema doesn't just come through this. That's what we're going to focus on today. But the rhema can come in all those other various ways. When God speaks into your heart through various means, because it may not come through here, it can be challenged and tested. The word, the Logos, cannot. It's the revealed word for right now. It comes supernaturally, not through study. It comes supernaturally. When Jesus said that to Peter, who do people say, who do you say? And he said, you're the Christ. He said, flesh and blood have not revealed this to you. That's Rhema. It's the specific, specifically revealed word of God. It's used to impart faith into a person's heart. Now, God will mostly use the Logos, this word, to speak rhema to you. Specifically in the beginning of your journey of learning to hear his voice. He will use this to make it alive to you and speak rhema to you. It's how he teaches you what he sounds like. Just like a baby has to learn. That's my mom. That's my dad. That's Uncle Crazy, whoever. It's how you learn what he sounds like. So, we're going to frame the rest of today in these two categories. Rhema that comes through Logos, the now revealed living spoken word into your heart that comes through Logos, and Rhema that comes apart from Logos. You with me? Okay, receiving Rhema from Logos, and I know we're going through multiple steps very fast, but it helps for us to lay a good platform. Bible says, my sheep hear my voice, not my lambs. In the natural, lambs follow sheep, and the sheep follow the shepherd. Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. Lambs fed. Peter, feed my lambs. Lambs are fed. They don't follow his voice. Sheep do. God desires that we grow up and learn to follow the shepherd, not the pastor, not this preacher, not that, that name, that name. Him as the shepherd. A lamb follows someone else as they follow Christ. And when you get saved, that's what happens. It's like I've seen people, they attach to that person for a while. I saw it happen with my dad many times. 
God would use my dad to minister in power or my mom or whatever, and that person would become attached to them for a season. It's almost like they're the Lord. You know, that's what I'm talking about. And then they see this person in another light. They're like, you're actually not so good. <laughs> and then God will allow that to put them back onto him, the shepherd. Because my sheep hear my voice. Lambs do not. Now, how do you position yourself? Go a few pages over to John 17. How do you position yourself to receive rhema? John 17 gives us some clues. Because it comes supernaturally. You cannot work for it. You cannot earn it. How do you position yourself to receive rhema, in a sense, from Logos? John 17, verse 6 says this. I have manifested your name to the men whom you have given me. This is actually the Lord's Prayer where he actually prayed. And he's praying now about the disciples. He says, I've manifested your name to the men you have given me out of the world. They were yours, him speaking to the Father. You gave them to me, and they have kept your word. That word, word there is Logos. They have kept your word, the written word. Now they have known that all things which you have given me are from you. For I have given to them the words which you have given to me. That second time, words, is Reba. First one is Logos. Second one is rhema. If we were Greek, it would be obvious to us. In English, we just read the word of God, the word of God. They actually have two totally different meanings. He says, And they have received them and have known surely that I came forth from you and that they have believed that you have sent me. How do you practically, this is a very, very interesting instruction, how do you practically position yourself to receive rhema, to learn to hear his spoken word through here? That's how it starts. Firstly, understand who God actually is. It's very hard to learn to hear God's voice if you think he's a dictator or a punisher or distant or doesn't care or not a lover. Or Very hard. Jesus said, I have revealed, I have manifested who you are, in a sense, to them. Jesus said, if you want to know what the Father's like, look at me, and he healed. And to know who God is, his goodness, his love, his mercy, is the beginning of learning to hear the voice, the rhema voice. And unfortunately, many people are taught things about God that is not true. He is good, friends. He is good. But it's the beginning part, learning who he is. I have manifested. I have revealed who you are to them, Father. That's the first step. Second, it says, they have kept your logos. They have kept your written word. To position yourself to receive rhema, we have kept the word. The Passion Translation, which I love because it's from the Aramaic, says, they have fastened this word firmly to their hearts. They have taken the time and fastened the logos, fastened the written word onto their hearts. They've attached it with a nail gun. Click, 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 click. It's part of them. They fastened it to their hearts. And when you do that, you become positioned to receive the spoken, revealed, fresh, alive word of God. Then he says this. For I've given them the words which you've given me. They have received them. Notice, the logos is kept. Rhema is received. In other words, the one is up to you. It's a decision. You fasten this to your heart. It's in your life. It's all the time. Rhema comes from grace. You receive it. You cannot earn it. Because it was grace that opened the way. It was grace that tore the curtain. It was grace that paved the path. That comes from grace. He says they have received. Rhema is always received. It's not this, I'm going to hear. No, no. It's received. It comes by grace. Always comes by grace. And then he gives you two very helpful 
ways for us to understand there should be two fundamental truths that stay intact whenever you receive rhema. Because rhema can come in all forms, all forms, prophecy and dreams and visions. And there's two fundamental kernels that we should keep in the center of every time we, oh, I heard God, I heard God. I've heard people say I've heard God about so much stuff that I'm just like, no, stop, it's not him. Because it's not here. He says this, they have received and they have known that I came forth from you and they've believed that you sent me. Two kernel truths. When you're, it's the instant test. There's many more tests. The Bible says test it. Number one, it'll have the, in the kernel of it, Jesus is the Son of God. They have known that I've come from you. It says they have known that you sent me, that Jesus was sent in the earth to save man. Those two things. they at the center of every single thing that God says. If it's not, be careful, because there's the strangest voice. Amen? Amen. When I, for example, I was walking in uh, Atlanta in the mall, and I'm walking there, our oh Lord, the time, and I'm walking there, and um, I'm just walking, and I'm carrying stuff, groceries, and I get to the till, and, you know, we were only there for a few days. This is, I don't know, five weeks ago, and I get to the till, and there's a young African-American man there. And as I look at him, God just, I just, you know, prophetic, you see him, just see what's going on. And he's just serving at the till. And as I look at him, and I, I just looked at him, I said, young man, can I say something to you? <laughs> what do he say to that? He goes, uh, uh-huh. Straight away, he's like, okay, he sounds weird. He's got a weird accent. And now he, like, what's going on? So I said, you, when you were a young man, you used to go to church with your grandmother. And you used to worship the Lord, and you used to do this, and you used to do this, just some details about his life. And I said, and uh, you've kind of walked away from the Lord now, but you've actually been called to preach, and you've known it. You're called to be a preacher. He's standing at the till. He just tears, just Now, that sounds amazing, but what comes next is more important. So I said, who is it that knows your life? Is it me, or is it Jesus? And he's crying, Jesus. I said, he loves you, and he paid for you. That's more important than the oh, moment. It's the gospel. And he just said that. I said, you know what? You, sh- you should find your... I said, is your grandmother alive? I said, yeah. I said, go to church. It's not about going to church, but I didn't have the time. You know, there's a line of people. Now this guy's crying. So <laughs> It's got to remain the central focus. Amen? That inner voice, so, so important. There is a great need for rhema. Now, uh, the need for rhema is so vital, so important. We're going to quickly take you through a few scriptures, because often when the Bible says the Word of God, we just assume, if we don't know, we just assume it means this. I'm going to show you a few scriptures that you might be like, oh, that word is rhema, not logos, just so we can understand what rhema brings to our life. Okay? The need for rhema, the rhema word of God in our lives. Number one, the rhema word is needed just to live this Christian life. When Jesus said in Matthew 4, he answered and said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word. That word is rhema. By every living spoken word into your heart personally that comes out of his mouth. He says that, we need that just to be. Because it's relationship. And my sheep hear my voice. It's the written word. It's the rhema. 
because he's still speaking. He says, by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. The wonderful thing about Raymer is when God speaks into you and it becomes alive, contained within his word. The Bible says it's alive when it comes down for heaven. My dad did this thing a long time ago when he had this pulsating thing coming from heaven. I can't do it quite like he did it. The Bible says the word is living. It's the living word. It's, it comes to do something that will not return void. And it comes with its own inherent life into a human heart. And something changes. And that's Rhema. It's when you hear God. Now it will start when you hear him from this. Okay. When it becomes illumined to you. The second is the Rhema word changes us. When Gabriel spoke to Mary, he said, With God nothing will be impossible. Then Mary said, Behold the maidservant of the Lord, in other words, herself. This is Luke 1, 37 to 38. Let it be to me according to your word. And then the angel departed. He said, Nothing will be impossible with God. You know that word nothing? You know what is in the Greek? No thing spoken. It's oparema. That's actually what it means in that verse. Nothing that God has spoken to you will be impossible. But it has to be spoken to you. It has to be promised to you. You have to have positioned yourself, fastened it to your heart, and heard something, then impossibility becomes possible. That's what Gabriel said. It's written like this. With God, impossibility can be undone through the supernatural receiving and then partnering with the freshly spoken word into a human heart. It's not just, there's a situation, oh, I've got a scripture for that, just throw a scripture at it. Who f- does that and finds it doesn't work? Because it's not alive in your heart. And it's not about miracles. Friends, we've got to, it's not about miracles, it's about the heart. She said, let it be done unto me. In other words, what? It's going to change her first. Let it be done to me. You know that word, that scripture, I think I wrote it, yeah, John 15, 7, it says, if you abide in me and my words abide, that's meditation, in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. Who knows, who's ever struggled with that verse? Well, I've asked what I, in a sense, what I want and it's not done for me. The New American Standard Bible got that translation wrong, unfortunately. In the Greek, it says, it shall be done to you. To you. And the word there is rhema. If your words if the fresh, alive God revealed something spoken into your heart, you ask something and it will be done to you. It will change you. And you will see and think and act and become something. Rhema changes the heart. It changes you to, to co-labor with God, to have his desire as your desires. Is this making sense to you, friends? It changes you. Then, obviously, one of the most important is Rhema... The rhema word imparts faith. How does faith come? Faith comes by? Hearing. hearing. And hearing by the word. That is rhema word. Actually, it says rhema there. Not, I thought it was when I was a kid. Well, if you want faith, read the Bible. Don't hear what I'm not saying. Faith will obviously, this has to become alive in the whole process that I'm talking about. But if faith just came from Logos, I would just attach speakers to my car and drive around town and play the Bible. And faith would penetrate everyone's heart. Doesn't work. Faith doesn't come from the word in a sense. It comes from hearing. Faith comes from hearing. Something comes alive. And hearing, we are taught to hear by rhema. Well, that's weird. Because it's like we're taught to hear by hearing. Because rhema is the spoken. It's like a baby. 
When you, baby, little baby, you speak to a baby, it doesn't understand you. But you don't stop speaking to it and say, I'm gonna, I'll speak to you when you understand. It's by continuously speaking to it that it learns to understand what you're saying. Hello? So God speaks to you and speaks to you and speaks to you and speaks to you. You know, I read the Bible, I don't understand what it means. Well, keep reading and keep listening and keep learning. And he speaks and he speaks. And then all of a sudden, Rhema comes. Because we've started to understand what he's saying. Just like a baby. It's exactly the same. And faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing. And then, boom, Rhema. Now I have faith. And when faith comes, everything changes. Faith changes you. Now you can stand on something. You can actually, the word faith actually means to recline. I can lean all my weight on something, even though I can't see it yet. I can lean on it. The Bible says in Psalm 119, verse 105, I think it is, it says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet. Thy word, that's the word, is a lamp. When the word of God becomes illuminated, that's the technical biblical word, illuminated, it shines something in my heart. When the word becomes illuminated, it becomes alive to me. It becomes rhema to me. It becomes something that my feet know where to go. That's why, and it imparts faith. That's why the Bible says you walk. It becomes a lamp unto my feet. I walk by faith. Because something's become alive in my heart. Now I can make practical decisions because rhema has come. Very important. There's others. Rhema imparts life. I won't go into that one. The words I speak to you, Jesus said, are spirit and life, John 6, 63. It imparts life. That's rhema life. Jesus said, I've come to give life, John chapter 10. It imparts life. Zoe life, that supernatural life of God, into your heart. It is our weapon. This will challenge some of you. Ephesians 6, 17. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And people have always been taught this. That word is rhema there, not logos. The sword of the Spirit, the thing you run the enemy through with, is when this has become alive to you and fresh to you, and it's come faith to you, and you know it, you can stand on it, you, then you have a sword. Not before. Then you have a sword. Because it's become rhema to you, and you run him through. Yeah, It's beautiful. It really is beautiful. And you see people get free and him destroyed. It's lovely. It really is lovely. So, it's the strong man's gospel. Amen. It's not, oh, let's just throw a scripture at it. I hope this works. Oh, no, friends. Get on your knees, get some rhema. Get some rhema. The Logos, that's why Jesus said, it is written. It is written. Because it was real to him. It was alive. He was the word made flesh. It was alive. So he had a sword. The Logos reframes our mind to think like he thinks. So when he begins to speak to us in all the other various ways, we begin to recognize it. That's the Lord. That's the Lord. That's the Lord. That's not the Lord. That's not the Lord. That's not the Lord. And he will use the Logos to teach you what he sounds like. And the word of God, his word, his voice imparts life and strength and faith. All purpose comes from his voice. Creation came from his voice. The Bible says the voice of God split the cedars of Lebanon into like little splinters. 
Everything comes from his voice, friends. Everything. Commissioning. You want to, what's my call? Commissioning comes from his voice. Everything comes from his voice. I'm going to take another seven minutes. Are you guys good with that? It was kind of rhetorical, but I, I appreciate I'm just kidding. <laughs> Sorry, that was very mean. I want to speak about very quickly the inner voice. Friends, this is very precious to me. When God speaks to you in your heart, it can become so loud. It really can. It can become so easy, so loud. It can flow constantly. You can feel the presence of the Lord. It can flow. But we have to learn how. I just made a choice when I got saved. I just, I read John 10. My sheep hear my voice. And I just made a decision that that just means what it says. Just it's as simple as it says. So I began to get on my knees and I began to pray and I began to learn and I began to study and I devoured the word of God. One of the first things that I began to cry for was what the Bible calls a word of knowledge. Supernatural information about somebody else, like that man and that boy in Atlanta, that I would have no way of knowing. Now God uses me a lot like that. But the reason I cried out for it, because the Bible says it's the fastest way to cause a person to worship. It says, if you reveal the secrets of the heart, they will fall to their knees and worship. It's the fastest way. Hebrews 4.12 says this. The word, that's logos, of God is living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It is the discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. Even the inner voice is governed by this. It's governed by God's word, his written word. Now, how do I practically, I'll give you a list and you just write it down and we'll come back to this another time. How do I develop an ear to hear and to discern? I learned, again, really early on that the Lord will speak to me very easily and very quickly for others. That most of the time comes through gifts, which are not earned. That They're gifts. I mean, that's basic. So they're gifts. I can hear God for other people. You know, that's great. And we need each other for that at times. But I've heard many people say, I find it so easy to hear God for others, but not for me. Because I came to understand something. Any gift you get given is actually given to you for someone else. If he carries a gift of healing, it's not for him when he's sick, it's for someone else. Yeah? And that is, in a sense, given in various ways and forms to multiple people as the Spirit wills. The Bible says that. But his voice, the voice in John 10 is not speaking about gifts, friends. It's speaking about a personal relationship with Jesus. He says, my sheep hear my voice. That's when he speaks to you for you. That doesn't come from gifts. That comes from relationship. That comes from intimacy. That comes from time in his presence. That's how that comes. There is no other way. When you love him, when you actually fall in love with him, and he begins to speak to you, in the still, quiet inner voice, he speaks and he speaks and he speaks. Practical things. Can I give you some practical pointers just to help you? To strengthening God's inner voice in your life. Number one, know that God desires to speak with you. We'll leave it there. Just simply choose to believe that God desires to speak to you in your, the imaginations and the intents and the thoughts of your heart. 
When I tell stories, it's not to boast. I boast in Christ, the Bible says. It's because it's become, honestly, friends, it's part of my daily life, every day. The other day, I was just walking past a young girl in the church. I mean, literally just walking past. And I, as I walked past, I glanced at her and I, I said, oh, you got phoned by a boy who wants to, just in details about her life, in a voice. She's like, how oh, did you, you know, some boy's trying to get together with her or whatever. And I just saw it. Why would God show me that? Little things all the time, the inner voice, inner voice. He's constantly speaking, constantly, constantly. But that comes from fellowship, that comes from covenant, that comes from time. That's where that comes from. Know it's his desire. Second, know that your position in Christ, know what it means to be in grace, in his covenant, insecure, seated, all that stuff that has to do with your sonship. Know where you sit. Because otherwise, the stranger's voice will always confuse. Because you'll think it's the Lord. Number three, and then this is the main point, and we'll move on. Strengthen the spirit within you. 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 23, 24 says what? You are made of body, soul, and spirit. Okay? Your spirit is what comes alive in a sense when you get saved. It's regenerated. All right? What is your spirit made up of? Who knows? Your conscience, intuition, and fellowship. Those three. Your conscience, intuition, and fellowship. To learn to hear his inner voice, pay attention to those three things. And the voice of God in your, on your inside will become so loud, even though no one can hear it, it'll, it'll, it, it just takes over and it's constant. How do you do that? Repeat after me. Three Ps. Presence, Presence. Prayer, prayer, praise. praise. That's how you develop fellowship. Time in his presence. Time in prayer. Real prayer. What do I mean by real prayer? Remember when I said last week, how do you know if it's you or the Lord? Your thoughts are analytical. Remember that? We covered that last week. You know when you start to pray and you start to analyze everything you're saying? Who knows? Who's, who's, let's be honest. Okay? Push past that analytical point and then you're beginning to pray. Get your stuff out of the way. Prayer, presence, time in his presence, and worship. Worship is fellowship with God. Praise. That is strengthens fellowship with God. Now, another one, listen. Listen to the voice of your conscience. Who knows the voice of their conscience is extremely frustrating? You know, I want to do something. Uh, don't do that. Don't do that. Listen to that voice. Not legalistically, not because of fear. Why? Because of the value to strengthen your spirit so that when he speaks, you can hear him constantly. Because when your conscience becomes strong, that becomes strong by listening to it, and your fellowship is regular, your intuition will soar. And he speaks to your inner voice. When your conscience becomes strong by listening to it all the time, and your fellowship, you begin to know God, your intuition will soar, and the inner voice is loud in your life. We'll leave it there. The inner voice. I've got a whole chart I'll just hand it to those who want it. I encourage you, things that can get in the way, cell phones, busyness, put, stuff, put that stuff aside, be submitted to authority in your life, and cut out all the distractions and other voices, and the inner voice will grow. But it's all governed by this.
by the, the written word of God. If you want to grow in this, we're going to pray a prayer real quick. It's very simple. Say, God, we're going to ask God to draw us. You know, there will be seasons where he draws you to his word, the Bible. He will just, you just have this desire. There's seasons where he will draw you to prayer. See, he will draw you. He wants to begin to teach you what he sounds like so that you can walk with him all the time. When he begins to speak to you, just like a baby, it increases and other stuff starts to fall away. Interest in other stuff falls away, falls away. And Christianity, guess what? It becomes real, actually real. One last thing, when you go to pray, when you're trying to learn, take a little notepad, tiny little thing with you. Whenever thoughts come, you know, thoughts about, oh, I didn't mow the lawn, oh, I didn't do this. Actually, it's the Lord reminding you. Write it down so that you don't focus on it. Write it down, write it down, write That'll take five to ten minutes. Write, 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 write. Put it aside. And then, once all that's down, pray. And you'll learn. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you speak. Lord, I pray that you begin to speak loud, clear. I pray that we position ourselves to receive the rhema word for our lives, for others. I pray activate people. Right now, Lord, activate people. Let us go from lambs to sheep. Some of you are just making decisions right now, just little decisions, little decisions. Pay attention to those things. That's him speaking. Some of you are, God is saying, I want you to do this or try this. Pay attention to it. Write it down before you leave. Lord, how you long to speak with us how you long to communicate with us. We love you and we bless you. In Jesus' name, amen.